do you find the best hotel for your best adventure? And do you pack light? Tripcast 360 is sponsored by St. Eustatius. Looking for a place where tranquility and adventure coexist? Look no further than the beautiful Caribbean island of St. Eustatius. From hiking trails to underwater adventure and pristine beaches, Stacia has it all. To learn more about Stacia, check out their website, stacia-tourism.com. Hello and welcome to TripCast 360, the podcast of lively banner about travel, lifestyle, and entertainment. This is Michael Gordon-Bennett, and I am joined, as always, by Dave Cumberbatch, someplace out on the East Coast that I know is not New York City. What's going on, Davey? It's been a long time since we did one of these. I'm actually in New Jersey right now, and um, I'm, you know, I'm all excited to have uh, to be doing this again. You know, telling telling our our listeners and our viewers about the amazing lifestyles of traveling. Uh, our, our guest has the amazing lifestyle of traveling. You and I are kind of restricted right now, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we for those of you who don't know, we took the summer off. This is the first time we've done it in three years, but uh, we've had some things going on that we needed a little bit of break. Uh, yeah. Some, some uh, yours truly has been, um, uh, I have been somewhat reluctant to promote my screenplay, but I guess it's about high time I did. I even have a publicist now who's helping me with the promotion of my screenplay. I see Jamie clapping in the background. I, I wrote a screenplay called Destination Unknown. It's a true story about a World War II and the 320th Barrage Balloon Battalion on the beaches of Normandy and D-Day. And I've submitted mm. to several film festivals, and I have managed to make the quarterfinals and semifinals of two of them so far, um, which is quite a feat considering there is probably 10,000-plus screenplays submitted to each yeah. one. Um, so, and I've got a couple of more announcements I'm waiting on here in a few days. We'll see how it works out. So I, I'm going to do something that I am not very good at and that's promoting my damn self for a change. So <laughs> I did it. So now the next process, of course, is, uh, getting the darn, darn things made. Um, so that, that, uh, is what I was doing all summer long. And then, um, my girlfriend just had her class reunion and, uh, in Puerto Rico. And I just got back a week ago. I got sunburned to the max. And yes, for these, those of you who don't know, black people do get sunburned. Uh, <laughs> I was living proof. As a matter of fact, my shoulders are still got peeling skin. Oh, look at you. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> yeah. My face was worse. But uh, I, haven't, I hadn't set foot in Puerto Rico in 35 years. And uh, I'm not Puerto Rican. My girlfriend is. And uh, so when everybody flies into Puerto Rico, they typically fly into San Juan. Well, mm -hmm. the resort where her class reunion was at is in a place called Copa Marina, which is on the southwest corner of, of Puerto Rico. It's about a four-hour car ride from San Juan. We didn't fly into San Juan. We flew into a little airport called Aguadilla. Um, and we flew in on JetBlue. And far be it for me to give a plug for an airline, but I'm going to give one in this case. I'm six foot four about that much shy of 6'5". Leg room is a big deal to me. JetBlue had great leg room. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you need leg room for those size, size 15 shoes now. I, well, actually, it was funny because I was sitting in an aisle seat and the lady brought the cart down the aisle and she still managed to crash into my kneecap. Uh, she just, <laughs> me and tears were running down her face. They're like, I'm fine. <laughs> I was just like, uh, at least I, I, I was able to like, you know, stretch out because my girlfriend will not allow me to sit in the exit row seat. 
Mm-hmm. And we didn't pay for first class tickets this time. So I was kind of stuck. So I always choose an aisle seat because she hates those exit rows because she doesn't like that door. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so there went the leg. But I have to give Jeff Blue some credit. They actually, I got leg room, man. I was so happy. But uh, yeah. the resort was yeah. great. I didn't, I don't like big resorts anyway. The resort was fine. It only had like 150 rooms right on the water. It was cool. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to send them a, a bill for this plug that you're giving them. Yeah, well, they owe me deep. Yeah, yeah but the other <laughs> plug I got to give you is the, is I had, I had, they call them memes in Puerto Rico. I guess they're tiny mosquitoes that you can't see. On my, mm. on the arm alone, the one with all the suntan, I've got like no less than 20 bites on this one arm. Mm. Uh, I and uh, off didn't do me any good. I can see you're looking like Elephant Man. That's okay. <laughs> yeah well okay i'll, I'll let that one slide so Look I, at I, that. I understand didn't you go to barbados earlier this summer yeah had a fantastic time because um i think it was during the period of time that they really started lifting the restrictions mm-hmm. so you know we took the mask that folks here do and went out to restaurants and had a fantastic time Oh, nice. Al, you, you owe me a story, by the way. You know, since you're uh, from Barbados anyway, I, I should be getting copious amounts of stories from you about Barbados. I'm not getting any. Time to fest. Well, well, do, <laughs> do you want the good or the bad or the ridiculous? What do you want? Uh, I like the ridiculous. All right. I'll give those to you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we we have an absolute sweetheart sitting in the wings waiting for us. Uh, Jamie yeah. Edwards has been on our podcast at least three times that I could think of, and this will be her fourth time on our show. Her website, I Am Lost and Found, is um, is is actually gaining a lot of traction. I'll, I'll call it the next hit in the travel business in terms of what she yeah. writes about. And not only is she a fantastic writer, her photography is outstanding. And today we're going to have a little fun with her because we're going to talk about a couple of articles that um, she wrote on her website. Uh, so give us two seconds and um, let me go and take care of the housekeeping notes before we bring her in. Um, Tripcast 360 podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. I don't care if it's uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio uh itunes wherever you get a podcast we are there but the best place to check us out is on our website at tripcast360.com we are back from our summer hiatus so we'll be posting every two weeks going forward and you can also uh check us out on some of our social media platforms which i will let dave tell you about because dave has taken over social media and taken that off my hands oh man but I'll tell you, you know we want to spread the word about all the good things in the travel industry all the the, the fantastic guests that we have, like our guest today. So you can check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, follow us, like us. Cool, cool, cool. And if you have any suggestions for podcasts, by the way, you can write to us at contact at tripcast360.com. That's contact at tripcast360.com. We're pretty much open to enter anything in the travel, entertainment, lifestyle brand. Our only caveat is on some level, we'd like it to link to travel because that's our focus. Yeah. Right? Uh, even on our website now, we've got a lot of entertainment concerts listed on our website, you know, and, and food festivals and things like that. So don't be bashful. If you have something and you want to hear about it or you want to talk to somebody who's been there, let us know. And without further ado, 
Uh, we got Jamie Edwards, like I said, on here, and we're going to have a robust discussion about a couple of stories that she's written that are on her website, IamLostAndFound.com. One of them is how to find the best hotels for your next adventure. Jamie has a unique perspective on it, and, and I don't like to use the word unique often, but I think people get lost in terms of how to find good hotels, and so everybody has a process. I think you'll enjoy Jamie's process about how she goes about it because she tailors it to what her and her family like to do. Uh, and, and there's specific things that she looks for that maybe you wouldn't look for, or maybe you never thought to look for. Well, Jamie yeah. has the answer to that. And then we're going to talk about something really near and dear to my heart. Uh, that's packing. Uh, ah. She wrote another article that's also on her website, five things I can't do without. Uh, actually the head line on that is packing matters five things i can't do without and for somebody with a size 15 shoe packing is a big deal for me hi jamie hello there how are you both we are doing great fantastic nice we're, to have you sober. on again <laughs> <laughs> thank sober. you for nice having to have me back on the show i that's <laughs> that's right listen jamie i read that article that michael just referenced how to how to find the best hotel and I think you referenced it in the article. I myself thought finding finding a good hotel was straightforward, but you said you know there's some nuances to all of that. Uh, if the hotel is close to to where you want to be, and if you can uh, sort of elaborate on that for us, sure. Uh, I think where the article stemmed from is. I write a lot on my website about adventure and luxury and places that I've been, which is always fun to write about. But every so often, uh, something along the practical lines of travel pops into my head. And especially during the pandemic, when we were doing a lot less travel, I wanted to still be able to write and be creative. Um, so I started thinking about topics that might be interesting regarding travel that I could write without actually going anywhere. And I thought about the process I use to find the best hotel for our next trip. And um, although I think a lot of it, people may say, is common sense, I also think that not everyone has a straightforward process that they go through. They might kind of have a few of these ideas down, but I have sort of tailored it to approach that really works for me and happy to share it. Um, I, first and foremost, what I, what I do is I think of, if I think about where I want to go, of course, or narrow it down to either a, a continent, a country, a city, a beach. But when I do that, I sort of think about what my non-negotiable points are first. Uh, mm -hmm. for instance, if on this particular trip, it must have a kid's club or it must be within an hour's drive from the airport, or it has to be, um, has to be on a beach. Uh, so if you come up with your non-negotiable points first, it sort of helps narrow the pool of hotels and resorts that you'll have because as we know, there are so many to choose from. And with the internet, it's just so easy to get lost in thousands of choices. So that's what I tend to do first. Um, and that changes for every trip, what those non-negotiable points are. And of course, taking into concern uh, the budget I have for that trip, um, as I said, the location and maybe any specific needs. Maybe it's a family trip with extended family. And I know that we can't uh, 
be walking for long distances. So I, I start to narrow there. And then I really think about um, choosing my keywords for Google. And we all use Google every day and without thinking about it, are choosing keywords. And this is definitely the most important thing is finding keywords that uh, really work for what you want to accomplish travel-wise. And the more narrow you are, the better. So in my case, for instance, say I use the example of Alaska in my post. So I think I want to go to Alaska. I can type in um, best hotels in Alaska, but that's going to be quite broad. So if I know, for instance, I would like to see a lot of wildlife while I'm in Alaska, I would type in best hotels for wildlife in Alaska or best adventure hotels for wildlife in Alaska. Uh, say I'm a foodie, which actually I am a foodie. You are. You are. <laughs> <laughs> I like to travel for food. I can use that in my search with um, hotels with the best restaurants. So I know it seems like common sense, like I said, but the more narrow you are, um, the better results you're going to get. And from that point, I really consider the sources that I'm seeing pop up. I have sources that I really like. Uh, for instance, Travel and Leisure magazine, uh, Condé Nast Traveler, Forbes, Afar. Um, so I start to look at those big ones, the ones that I trust. Um, and everyone has their trusted sources that they like, that they know they're like-minded with. Um, so I look at those and I'll look at their list and I'll start to see what pops up across maybe two or three or four of those platforms and make a note. Another thing I'll do then is maybe I would type in uh, New York Times for a long time did 36 hours in Honolulu, 36 hours. You're shaking. I think you probably both know this pretty well. Uh, yeah, we actually had that discussion yeah. <laughs> just the other day. <laughs> it's, I don't uh, I know they have a book about it now, but I don't know if it's still in the uh, I don't think they have the travel section of the New York Times anymore, which is still upsetting for me. Uh, but they did do 36 hours in Paris. or um, So I will always type in New York, uh, New York Times 36 hours in my destination just to see what they have to say about the subject. And typically, I will even find beyond hotels, I might find a really local coffee shop or a museum I hadn't heard of. So I start to kind of choose from all of those different places. Uh, and, and another source, um, this is not going to be surprising as I look at fellow bloggers and uh, bloggers that I kind of relate to and like, and I start to see if they've been to these destinations that I'm going to and take all of that and just cross-reference them and always see what's coming up across the board. That's really kind of where I, where I start. I noticed Jamie in that same story, when you started researching down at the bottom of that graph says second page. Uh, yeah. the, because the Google I, graveyard. I don't know if you're like, yeah, exactly. Because I don't know if you're like me. I think Dave's like me. I hit Google. I look at the first page. I don't look at the second page. Yeah. Go to the second page. Like I, I, I once heard it referred to as the Google graveyard because no one goes beyond page one anymore because they tend to find what they need on on page one of Google. But there are some really wonderful, often quirky, um, a little bit more off the beaten path articles that you can find on page two, three. I do not know if I've gone beyond page four or five um, 
but I could because I think it's fascinating what what ends up there. Uh, so especially since page one does tend to have a lot of ads and I go, I breeze right past the ads. I know they're paid for, uh, personally, I want to see things that were not paid for to be at the top of the Google page. Um, I go kind of right below that and onwards. And I do think that pages two and three will, um, there'll be things that catch your eye, um, things that you hadn't thought of before. For instance, uh, I think one time. I went to page two or three and it said something about unusual places to stay or glamping. So things I hadn't kind of come up in my mind as alternatives to hotels uh, came up in that search. Um, So I think that that leads me kind of my next one about even going as far as using some quirky keyword searches after you found some places. Like look at unusual places to stay in Alaska, uh, log cabins in Alaska just going on with the Alaska reference. Um, Maybe you go on a ship or a boat instead. So I think that that is where I go next. And then to take it even further, sometimes I find that one hotel um, and then I will go and I will Google if they have a special room or a best room because some of these hotels, people have written in or written articles in the past about the best room within a certain hotel and why they consider it the best room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was in Sweden that I was going for a friend's birthday and we knew what hotel she had chosen for us all to stay in. And I Googled um, the best room in the hotel and I believe it was a Condé Nast article came up because they used to do a uh, room with a view on their last page of the magazine where they would choose a specific hotel and talk about their best room. And I happened upon that for this particular hotel. And I thought, well, I love the best room too. And I called and asked and they had it available and booked it. So that's an option. Let's reflect uh, on some of the trips that you took where, where food was more important to you. Do you do you search for the destination first or you search for what you're looking for first, which is the food? Oh, that's a good question. I'd say that over the years, it's been a combination of things. There have been times where we, and I believe I've talked about this once on one of my podcasts, where we watched a chef's table special about Siete Fuegos in Mendoza, Argentina, about this chef, Francis Melman. And after watching the show, we went right to the computer, Googled it and booked the restaurant and then the hotel, the restaurant was in. So that was a, that was a a place where we thought, well, we really like to eat at this restaurant. The hotel looks beautiful and we booked it on the spot. There have been other times where we may have read about a particular restaurant uh, in the newspaper or heard about it on television and then booked our entire stay around that restaurant. So that's some other things we've done food-wise that have been exciting. I think that there's really no end to how you could Google food and restaurants together. And whether it's that your hotel itself has a Michelin-starred restaurant, and that becomes a non-negotiable point that you're going to travel just to have wonderful Michelin-starred restaurants for a few days. Or if you want to stay at a place that has sort of the most authentic food of that particular country or city, um, which we have done also and found little tiny 
uh, off the beaten path spots that are just really, really well known, but ne- not necessarily fancy at all, uh, and and done it that direction as well. I noticed too uh, when you do an auto line search, a lot of times package deals pop up where the airfare and the resort fees and all that stuff are all combined into one. I personally don't like that. I much prefer to have control over the individual destination and divorce it from the airfare piece of it and all the other upsells that they happen to do. Is that the same thing you do? You prefer to kind of individualize the hotel search? I do uh, because the hotel is really important for, for me and our family. Uh, I I joke that there are many people out there uh, that feel that a hotel room is just where you put your head at night, either because of the kind of people who don't prioritize hotel rooms or they find that they're busy from morning till night and truly it is just the place where they lay their head to go to sleep. But typically that's not the way we travel. We like to travel where we spend an outing in the morning or up and through lunch. And then we like to go back to our hotel and kind of relax the rest of the day. So for in our case, the hotel becomes an important place for, for it to feel more like home or someplace that we want to spend time. So I believe that for people who want to do the packages, that's an ideal route to bundle it. But in our case, that's I I'm not not surprised. I'm a controlling person when it comes to these things. I like to manage them. <laughs> and uh, with that said, we we do pick the destination first, of course, um, before the airfare, which I I know most people do. But finding and booking that exact hotel that we want is is a real priority. That's first that or the restaurant. Nice, nice. Yeah, because I I. I always with these package deals when i do the google searches for what i'm looking for typically the package deals always pop up first and i just scroll right through them because i don't like that i I, i'm kind of like you uh you know that that little siesta as we used to call them in spain is very important to me i like to take my early afternoon naps during the heat of the day especially if it's a warm weather climate um you know you get tired that that people don't understand that the heat actually beats you down a little bit and you kind of like need to get away from it for a little while Exactly. Very, very true. And, and, and there's something you said earlier that sparked this to me when you were saying uh, about scrolling through another part of my process after I sort of have narrowed down, let's say to after I've gone through the Google graveyard, after I've done some alternative keyword, quirky keyword searches. uh, What I do then is maybe I've got a list of five or six hotels that have made this short list and then i look at their websites a little bit more a little bit more closely because i can pretty quickly weed out even just by the design or the way the information is laid out if the place is going to feel like the kind of place i want to be uh typically if it's very hard to navigate or there's a lot of flashing lights on it and it doesn't prioritize big beautiful photographs I find that they probably aren't going to have the same aesthetic to uh, maybe the rooms, the room design or the resort that than I would like for our vacation. So I start to weed out a little bit there. Um, and then the next step, really, at that point, once you have your shortlist and they it has uh, your lo- make sure it has your budget in mind, your location. And I bring up location because one time, oh, this is a long time ago. 
Uh, I booked a hotel in the wrong city by accident because I didn't check the actual address. <laughs> and we, oh, ouch. And we, I thought at the time Amalfi meant the Amalfi Coast, which is where we were going. I book a hotel and I thought the hotel was in Positano, but it turns out the hotel was in a different town called Amalfi. And this was one of those times that a mistake was a happy accident. We loved the hotel. We still laugh about it, but it was just not where we thought it was supposed to be. So I always make a note to self to check the location more specifically. <laughs> uh, and another thing I've been caught out on in the past is, and I do Google this all the time, say, for instance, we want to go to Charleston. Uh what is the best month to go to Charleston or what is the best month to go to San Diego or wherever it might be? Because we once went to Thailand and I did not Google that. And we were there in the monsoon season. So uh, while we still had a great time, uh, we still did quite a bit, but it wouldn't have been my first choice to travel to Thailand in the rainy season. So I do Google that uh, next. And then yeah, there's, uh, there's a reason there's a reason they call it off season. Exactly. <laughs> Although sometimes the off season is, is a wonderful time to go. Places. Uh, if you get lucky. Uh, recently, I went with some friends to Acadia National Park in Maine, Maine. and we went early May, mid-May, and that's still considered off season or shoulder for them. But we got a wonderful price on our room. And we had idyllic weather and no crowds. So there are times that you might think of tempting fate a little bit or taking a chance to beat the crowds. Uh, but you do have to really take that risk of uh, it raining the entire time you're there or being cold. Yeah, that happened to us in Costa Rica, but we didn't want to change our plans. And it poured the first two days we were there. We couldn't even go outside. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was that bad. And I remember once we went to uh, we went in August and I remember we got in a car to go into town to get something to eat. Our hotel in Tamarinda was on this little dirt road that you had to access first with potholes deeper than the tires on your car. And I got out of the car uh, at the restaurant and the water was up way above my knees. I don't know how I got the door open. Oh, my goodness. And and then and so we ate and then we had to wait like two hours before we can get a ride back because we had to wait for the water to go away. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of the adventure. Sometimes those yeah, things you remember. And my uh, husband and daughter did the same thing in Costa Rica and got rained upon. And on those dirt roads, they were covered in red dirt from the ATVs. But they talk about that trip and they laugh about it all the time. So yeah. just like our Thailand trip. Eating in the rain, <laughs> swimming in the rain, still fun. Yes, yeah, so you can do a Fred Astaire, dancing in the exactly. rain. Exactly. You wrote in the article that there have been times that you got it wrong. And I sense that that was because you didn't do all, all of your research. But then you said there's sometimes it turns out to be a very good outcome. Can you, can you elaborate on that a bit and or at least, or at least, give some examples of where you, you know, it turned out to be a really, really good outcome. It's true. I mean, the mistakes happen. Like, like for instance, the one in Italy turned out to be. It turned out to be fine. We got lucky. Uh, 
Thailand, I would say that it was still fun, although it wouldn't have been ideal uh, to be there in the rain. But I do think that generally, uh, even the times that we've gotten it wrong or my research wrong, I believe we went to Australia once with, and we took a camper van uh, throughout uh, Australia and we got stuck in, uh, we got stuck in some, also some really heavy rains and we ended up having to stop in a hotel for two or three days because we just couldn't drive the camper van. It was so rainy and none of it was researched. We had, didn't have the luxury of being able to research it. We truly just got stuck on the coast of Australia found a hotel and spent two days there waiting for the roads to be drivable again. And the kids had a great time. And for us, it was nice to have a couple of days off the road. So yes. it's, I think sometimes it's important to be flexible when things go wrong yeah. rather than angry. It's easy to get angry, but it really does take away from the point of the vacation in the first place, rather than just roll with some of the things that go wrong. Looking for a unique Caribbean island getaway? It's time you discover Stacia. St. Eustatius is one of Mother Nature's finest creations. Its history and culture is second to none. Stacia, a world leader in ecotourism, features spectacular underwater adventure, breathtaking hiking trails, and pristine beaches. Visit stacia-tourism.com to begin planning that one-of-a-kind vacation. I think it was a couple of years ago, Michael, we had a guest who... He and his wife bought a little boat, I'm calling it a, really is a little boat, and decided to sail the Caribbean. Some, yeah. some way in that process, the boat caught water, and they got stranded on a small Dutch island, uh, St. Eustatius. And they said that was the time of their life. They really enjoyed being on St. Eustatius. That's a very popular island right now. In fact, I was just reading about St. Have you been there? I haven't been there, but we've got some partners that we work with who are there. Oh, well, actually, I can see actually, why they were happy one, they got stuck there. Yeah, one of our sponsors is actually St. Eustatius. Oh, no kidding. Well, I'm going to go. I'm yeah. going to Google that when we're done here. <laughs> I, I actually didn't. This is just because I the, of the two and a half years we've known you. I know you don't like big resorts and all that stuff, and you like to be able to adventure. St. Eustatius actually has a lot of that. You can... I think the biggest resort on the island is called the Golden mm. Rock Day, but have I got yes. that right? I yes, think it only right. has like I think it has like sixty rooms or something like that, and that's it. That's yeah. well, that was also one of the things, in fact, um in the beginning when I was talking about it's important to know your travel style. So as a family, we know that we typically like smaller hotels or boutique hotels. Uh, but then of course there are people who like having 300, 400 rooms because they like the liveliness of it and the bustle of a big resort. So none, neither style is right or wrong, but the most important thing is to know your own style because if you're pushing yourself into a style that's not your own, you're just not going to enjoy it as much. So knowing those things ahead of time and really making sure that you research only what fits into your into your own personal travel style will make life a lot easier. Right. You, you mentioned earlier on the cross-referencing that you do after you do your Google search. And you mentioned the big magazines and stuff like that, a far continent, travel and leisure, things like that. But I'm also looking at your article here. And you've actually got uh, a couple of uh, two or three bloggers here that you really follow. And feel free to mention their names. We, we don't care. 
Um, but I, I noticed like you've got hotels above par and the good, the bad, and the luxurious as a couple of the bloggers you uh, follow. What kind of draws you to these particular bloggers as it applies to how you search for travel? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because let's face it, anyone can follow Travel and Leisure, Condé Nast, and follow their hot lists, wish lists, um, gold lists, and find the top hotels. That's pretty easy. Uh, but I think that some of these uh, other websites and uh, bloggers I follow, I have discovered because we have some like-mindedness when it comes to what styles of hotels we like. But also, uh, they find some places that are slightly less discovered or more remote, or they're just um, not being talked about quite yet. And I like that too, because fun sometimes to go somewhere that not everybody else is already going. And Hotels Above Par is run by a man named Brandon Berkson. And he started that a few years ago, and he's gotten wildly uh, popular. And his uh, breakdown of hotels by city or by style uh, are really interesting. Or sometimes it'll be, you know, the breakout hotels in Miami. So sort of cutting, he'll be able to find or they'll be able to find some cutting edge places that have not yet been written about by some of the uh, bigger magazines. And then the place I was telling you about, I like because they tend to find some really boutique-y, homespun places that are quirky, off the beaten path, um, So I and very local. So I like them a lot. And one of the other ones I find is mainly for entertainment, the good, the bad, and the luxurious. He is an English traveler and he and his wife do this business together. And often nine times out of 10, his resorts uh, that he goes to are super expensive, uh, tend to be sort of Africa, Engl uh, European. And he just writes scathing reviews, like <laughs> scathing. Like it's so funny to read how he picks them apart. And <laughs> I think the hotels pay him to go there, even though they realize he's probably going to rip them apart. And the way he does it is very witty. And so I find that um, I laugh a lot when I read his. <laughs> I, you know what, though? You know, they always say in Hollywood, sometimes bad publicity is just as good as good publicity because somebody's paying it. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I don't know why these hotels keep inviting him because it's he'll, so he breaks it down. After he reviews the hotel, he'll yeah. review it, the good, the bad, and the luxurious. And I have to say, almost there's almost never any good. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's very proud, determined, and stands by his word, which is what I also like about the way he writes. He does He's writing for himself. Whereas when I write about a hotel or a place I've stayed, um, I'm not really looking to drag anyone through the mud at all. If, if something happened but in particular, unless it was a very something awful that happened, which rarely happens, I tend to overlook it rather than uh, write something ter terrible that one person may have done. Uh, so, but I, because I don't have, that's just not my style writing wise, right. but I enjoy his. But yeah. you know what though, the travel industry as a whole is risk adverse. Me, you know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but as a consumer, 
you have to kind of figure out how to read between the lines a little bit in some places. And one of the things that always used to irritate the hell out of me when I worked at the Travel Channel was some of the downtown hotels would say, we're minutes from the beach. No, you're not. <laughs> it's 20 miles from downtown LA to Santa Monica and LA traffic can take you two hours. You're not minutes from the beach unless you count your minutes and, you know, you know, in hundreds, <laughs> you know, <laughs> those little things like that matter. And I think sometimes if you couch the, the uh, discussion just right, however you write about it or talk about it in our case, it actually gives the consumer information that they actually need. Because, it, it, you know, if you're going to dinner in Santa Monica and you're staying at a downtown hotel and you give yourself an hour to travel, you're going to be an hour late. Yeah. And that's a really good point, too. Um, and that is something that hotels should know better by now because people do go have Google Maps and can see right away that they are not minutes from yeah. the beach. But minutes I agree. The there should be some <laughs> more transparency uh, around that. One of the places I went to a few years ago, um, I had written about and then. Um, a few people had gone after me and I had written that the service, what I felt didn't really um, live up to what the price point was. And I had thrown it off to being a sort of a post pandemic that they were still getting their feet. You, they're still kind of getting back on their feet. And I forgave it a bit. But then after two or three people went there and said that their experiences were also not very good service wise, I went back into my post and wrote that I could no longer recommend the hotel at, at all because of that. So I do think that when you have multiple sources saying the same thing over and over, it's important to, to call out a place on it. Well, Jamie, you've done all of your research. You've searched Google. You've gone to the blogs. You've got your hotel. Now it's time to pack. Yes. Right? Yeah. You wrote a story. You wrote a story about uh, your husband when you guys got engaged and he bought this coach bag that actually turned out to be pretty good. Can you share that story with us? Well, my husband and I got engaged in 2000, 2000 and uh, at that time, I was still not really very minimal when it came to packing. I was definitely an overpacker. Uh, and when he asked me to marry him after we were engaged, he planned the honeymoon and it was a surprise destination. So I didn't know where we were going. And as a gift, he gave me this beautiful coach um, overnight bag. It was really, I still have it. Very beautiful red, kind of like camel leather uh, accent. And I thought, this is a beautiful bag. And thank you for this overnight bag. And he said, no, this is, this is for your honeymoon. I said, what, well, what do you mean? Our honeymoon is, uh, I think we're taking almost three weeks. He said, this is for three weeks. And I didn't even know where I was going. So that began my foray into minimalist packing. Um, and I will say I have not ever been that minimal since. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a good start. Uh, I think now if the same situation occurred, I would say, no, you're, you're out of your mind. I'm taking exactly what I'd like to take. Uh, but at the time that that was uh, it was helpful. We ended up going to Africa. So three weeks in Africa with a small overnight bag. Um, your shoes would not have fit in my bag. My <laughs> I was afraid. I, I was afraid you'd say that. <laughs> but I do have a trick for that. So um, one of my well, you can't fold my shoes. So go ahead. <laughs> you can't fold them. So one of my tricks and. It, 
most of my tips and tricks are uh, most of them can be found on variety of packing lists, but this just happens to be the way the way I do it is I use my shoes. Um, I stuff them with everything I possibly can stuff them that won't get wrinkled, whether that's my any workout clothes, the adapter, um, any cords, my socks, uh, my underwear. I stuff my shoes and then put them in the bag first and work around them. The, but the size 15 shoe, you could probably get half your wardrobe in it. Uh, <laughs> it was easy when I went to Puerto Rico because I wore, I had already planned to be minimalist other than my computer. And so I wore uh, my, uh, I, I wore some athletic shoes, my sneakers on the plane. And all I took was sandals. And my sandals were so big. I had underwear and socks and cords stuffed inside. <laughs> and then I turned them sideways and dropped everything in the middle. <laughs> yeah, but Jimmy, but you said, you said that that one experience actually cultivated your packing habits. And I guess it taught you, based on your writing, it taught you the difference between the practical and the luxurious. Can you explain that a bit? Sure. Um, because my website is um, talks a lot about luxury travel, luxury and adventure. Uh, yeah. So, But a lot of packing is not really a very luxurious topic. Um, and all of though you can buy expensive or luxurious um, suitcases and things like that, I tried, I took the things that I kind of can't travel without and I broke them down into whether they veer towards the luxurious or they veer towards the practical. And to be honest, of course, most of them are practical, but some can be both. And for instance, um, I have one of the things we don't travel abroad without is this uh, family passport pouch case. And ours had been a gift a long time ago from a company called Smithson, which is, an, is a leather company and a stationary company. And I'm sure it was quite expensive, but it was a wonderful gift. And we have always put when we traveled, all of our passports, whether um, green card for my husband, global entry cards, now vaccination cards, and local currency, all in one pouch. And the kind of neat freak organizational person that I am just can't live without this one place for all of our passports. And although the Smithson version we have is ex probably quite expensive, they you can Google that and find versions of it across the board that are not expensive at all. But just the idea of the practicality of keeping that all together. Um, another example of something I travel with is something I bought on Amazon for $10, which is a iPhone lanyard, clear iPhone case that hangs on a lanyard around your neck. Now, it does not sound very sexy, but I'm telling you, when I first saw these two women, uh, when I was in Uganda, they were on safari. And they were from New York and they were dressed in wonderful safari chic. They wore them. And I thought that they looked great. And I went right home, Googled it, bought it off Amazon. And what's so wonderful about it is that whether you're skiing or hiking or doing anything active, you wear it around your neck and you want to take a quick picture. You just lift it, snap and drop it. Uh, so that for me is a incredibly practical uh, piece. But then again, Prada, Celine, and a variety of other designers make super expensive versions of them too. Oh, well, I, I was actually going to ask you about that lanyard because I, of 
you listed five or six things in your story, but that lanyard was by far my favorite because I'm terrible about taking pictures when I'm out on vacation. And I'm like, oh, my phone's in my pocket. And I'm fumbling through my pocket, <laughs> trying to pull it out. Then I've got to get my face recognition to turn the thing on. And by the time I'm ready to do it, the shot's gone. Exactly. Yeah. Which is why it's perfect for a place like Africa when I was there. Because although I had my big camera, there were times I just wanted to, um, had to quickly get a shot and that made it, Pretty easy. Now, I will admit that my friends make fun of me when I wear it, but um, they miss that shot every time and I get it. And, and then they have to call you. Can you send that to me? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I do that all the time. I actually missed. Uh, we were in Alaska a couple of years ago and a humpback whale breached about a half a mile from our boat. You know, the fin came wow. down and slapped the water like he was entertaining us. I missed it. I yeah. saw it with my eyes, but my camera didn't get it. That's hard to catch. <laughs> yeah, I, I I was really mad at myself because I should know better working in the film business, but I missed the shot. <laughs> I'm going to throw a couple of questions at you, and I know Michael is going to want you to elaborate on some of them. But uh, I'm going to throw them quick. Do you roll the full? Do <laughs> you make a packing list? Do you wash your clothes on the road? Ah. Or, and And do you take... Um, sort of like all-purpose clothes. Yeah. Okay. Those are good questions. I've already forgotten what the first one was. Let's okay. Go do you? Um, I roll. Do you roll? I roll, do you roll, I roll and fold. <laughs> uh, yeah. I that sounds like you're making a joint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I won't uh, answer that. Um, That's so I no, roll. No answer, no answer necessary. No answer. I I like rolling as a as pretty much always roll because I find that things don't wrinkle when you roll. But then I use packing cubes, and I don't know if for people who don't know what packing cubes are, they exactly what they sound like, and a lot of them compress. So when we go away, some of my I could probably fit ten cotton dresses in one in one bag that's the size of a laptop computer, and it compresses yeah. down, and yeah. so it takes yeah. up a lot of space. So those I have a girlfriend who for, resisted any um, tips from me on packing, uh, just to be contrary, and she admitted mm -hmm. to me after I wrote my packing cubes article that she tried it and now is con a convert. So I yeah. stand by the packing cubes too, because then to answer one of your other questions, I don't typically do laundry on vacation um, because it's off the charts expensive um, and not worth it. But I mm -hmm. use some of those cubes to stuff my dirty laundry in. So I know, um, or when it's beyond wearing a second or third time, uh, I stuff them in the packing cube. So that's another mm -hmm. good good use of it um mm -hmm. and let's see your next question was do you make a packing list i do that's yes i make a packing list sort of uh, the week leading up to when i'm going i kind of keep an iphone note list and anything that ever pops into my mind i add it to that list so that by the time i go to pack i pretty much have a well-rounded list of everything i need so mm -hmm. i do make a list mm -hmm. I keep, I'll, wow. I'll tell you, I, I, I keep my passport in the one travel bag that has wheels and I pull. Re recently, because of COVID, I had my um, vaccination card in there as well. So, so I don't have to look for those things when I'm traveling. There's that's this right. one bag that I will always take and I know it's right there. Well, I think that that's the key also to always putting the things in the exact same place. 
um, which is something I tell my kids about everything because they lose things. I'm like, if you put it right, always in the same place, you're always going to know where to find it. Oh, and there is one other thing I do that I think a lot of people do. This is not necessarily um, rocket science, but I will wear, and I think you alluded to this earlier, Michael, I wear my biggest shoes or like my clunkiest shoes or my heaviest clothes on the plane so that they don't take up space in the suitcase. And then when I get to the hotel, I put those kind of clothes away and then I wear them home. So they're never taking up space in my um, suitcase. That's, That's another exactly what I do. And you don't even have a size 15 shoe. I know. <laughs> that would be worrying. <laughs> it, it oh, is, that's it, right. On, on, on business trips, it's easy because I typically wear, you know, unless it's a, you know, a 10 hour flight, I typically wear the shoes I'm going to wear on the plane. But mm. uh, when it's leisure travel and you want to, you know, wear multiple outfits with different shoes, it's hard. I, I just, ugh, it's terrible. It and is. I hate it's checking hard. bags. Yeah. Well, in these days, checking bags is sort of the enemy. I uh, really, uh, when we traveled this summer as a family, we we brought four carry-ons for uh, 12 days away because we just heard horror stories about the airlines losing baggage and um, things not turning up. So we just decided to go pretty light and it, it paid off, although I, my son left all his underwear in the first hotel. And uh, my husband lost a few pairs of shoes along the way, but my daughter mm-hmm. and I we were just fine. We didn't lose anything. All right, girl power. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you were right about the um, the uh, luggage. I don't know if you saw the story over the summer. I think it was a, a either Heathrow or Gatwick, where they actually asked travelers to stop coming because they had so much lost luggage. They actually took the luggage and put it on a plane by itself and flew it back to the United States. Yeah, uh, I didn't read that, but that's terrifying. Yeah, that that that, yeah. that was just yeah, I'll that was the summer. It, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, how mm-hmm. much luggage they had, it. and I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, if I ever get routed through London, but then I took it uh, on a broader view, and I realized that could happen anywhere. It just happened mm-hmm. in London because everybody's a, it's a gateway city to the rest of Europe. And you learn mm-hmm. once the mm-hmm. hard way, as I did, where you don't put anything that you can possibly ever risk losing in that in that piece of luggage uh yeah i yeah i I mean you know i was on one flight from los angeles to grand cayman but my luggage went to chicago i never went to chicago (laughs) and the hotel was really nice the ritz carlton that i stayed at in grand cayman they were super nice to me they opened their gift shop at like midnight just for me and told me to take whatever i wanted to wear because my luggage didn't show up for three days oh Uh, that is so nice yeah, it was nice of them, but they don't have stuff for six foot four inch people, so that didn't work out too well either. <laughs> so mm, that's um, interesting. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still trying to figure out how my luggage went to Chicago. Yeah, just human <laughs> error, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean everything is barcoded now and things like that. I just don't, you know, the, the excuse they gave me. And by the way, when I called to find out where my luggage was, I got routed to a call center in India. Hey, you were doing pretty good. You were international, my friend. Yeah, I didn't get my I didn't get my <laughs> luggage I didn't get my luggage back until I returned to Los Angeles. So I, I basically did the entire trip without luggage, and I left from Grand Cayman and went to Jamaica first before I came home. So, did you find that when you were there, though, that it was in some ways was it freeing to only live off very little? Because that happened to us once, 
And yeah. you realize that we don't need half of what we pack in the first place when you really can exist, especially when you're on a beach trip. You can really live yeah. on so little. You remember when yeah. the airlines limit, limited you to, I think it was 60 pounds per bag. I used to struggle to stay on the 60 pounds. Now, when I pack, it comes to like 30-something pounds or 40-something pounds, and I'm fine. I've got everything that I need. Yes, I think it's nice to kind of streamline a bit. And this is coming from someone who was, like I said, an overpacker for most of my life. But somehow less feels like more right now. I I, I enjoy it. In fact, from now on, I think I'm really going to uh, try to pack and carry on only until the labor shortage is changed at the airport or until things get back on track. Uh, I think it's yeah. really helpful. And I bought a Kindle, which I um, was always read books. And I like to take books with me. But it takes up some unnecessary weight in space, and so I so I now own a Kindle for travel. Nice. Yeah, I laughed at you. I laughed at you, Dave, because uh, you said you're, you're sixty pounds. My shoes weigh sixty pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I have a tablet just for what you just said, Jamie. I actually have a tablet that has Kindle on it, and I use my tablet for reading on yeah. planes because I'm like you. I, I I'm an avid reader. I books for like I drink a glass of water and so yeah I've always got books with me so yeah that was one of the adjustments I made and and I do agree with you because um just to touch on the airlines and the shortages that are going on just last week in New York they actually canceled a lot of flights because they didn't have enough people to work the airport yes when when I left Vegas, we actually had to wait on the tarmac. We were on the plane for about 45 minutes. They didn't have enough people here at Vegas's airport to put gas on the plane. So we just sat there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot, of, I, a lot of bad stories going on right now. Yeah. Then, then I get to JFK. They had one girl working to board our plane. One. Mm-hmm. Poor it thing. Was awful. I don't, I don't know how she managed to do all that. But then it, it kind of drove home the point of just how understaffed the airlines and the airports themselves are right now. So I'm hoping on some level they get back to some sense of normalcy. So I'm, I'm like you. Bags go with me from now on. Mm-hmm. Or, or mm-hmm. road trips. So my husband and I decided this summer to take a little getaway. And instead of flying, we decided to look at a four to five hour driving radius. and. Talk about not minimal packing. I mean, that's the case where you throw everything you own into your car and drive around with it, uh, which is also liberating in a different way. But we decided just because of that reason that we didn't want to risk for such a short little trip being delayed so long because we just heard so many stories and it worked out great. Um, I like to drive. Um, I love driving. He he, he does not like to drive, but... um, but we, we had a radius and we worked within it. And, you know, he made me pack in that little suitcase, that little carry-on bag so I can make him get into a car and drive. On the five things you said you can't do without while you're traveling, and you listed your passport holder as number one. Why, why the passport holder? Well, why the passport holder? Well, I, I get flustered with any authority. And I mean, that authority could be the, I mean, just about any, anyone, it could be like people who do the parking meters in DC, Mm -hmm. I get flustered around authority. And so when I get up to uh, customs and immigration, and I actually just don't even, I almost forget how to speak. So having everything in that pouch, when I 
is just for me makes it very easy to get through passport okay. control. Okay. And um, I'm always nervous that I'm just not going to have the right documentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is really um, plus I I think it's great to have it all in one place. We keep it in that pouch in our house and I always know where it is. So yeah, that's yeah. something that keeps me sane, which I think a lot of these packing things that I talked about are um, like my, the jewelry pouch is another thing mm-hmm. I talk about. It's like a, a soft pouch that rolls with jewelry because most people are not going to put their jewelry in their luggage that they put on mm-hmm. the plane. They're going to keep it in their handbag and you want something that's not going to take up a lot of space um, and you can keep it in that pouch the entire time you're traveling. So I think a lot of it has to do with um, organization. Okay. When you wrote passport holder, I was thinking of, you know, they have like a little leather book that you would oh, stick yeah. no, passport not that. in. No. That's what I thought. Okay. No, I don't think that's necessary because that's just a, a cover for your passport. But what exactly. I'm talking about is just a, a big pouch that holds it all. Okay, I got you. I got you. But you know what I do for for all the the, the loose change and all those little things? I just put it in a Ziploc bag and put it in Ziploc bags you, you are the best. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. You have change? Oh, yes, I have change. No one Probably takes change in years. Yeah, there's no one takes change anymore. No. I, I always got a dime or a nickel or something in my pocket. So I just I, threw it I, in I, there. Yeah. I threw yeah, my keys I would... in that. I throw my keys. And that same uh, Ziploc bag. It's easier. That's smart. That, I always travel with Ziploc bags, always. Um, yeah. I, buy, I find shells on the beach. I think they come in handy for so many things. Um, exactly. So I bring like, a bunch of those with me. Yeah. Uh, you guys are travel pros. <laughs> Why didn't I think about creating a Ziploc bag way back when? Huh? Michael, we'd be rich. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that and an airline tracker that's electronic that you can put on a luggage. And yeah. that was the funny part, by the way, that story I told you, Jamie, the people who had so, uh, had phones as an app that you could put on your phone that tracks your luggage for you, they knew where their luggage was, but the officials at the airlines did not. Ah. That's interesting. The air tag. Yeah, they had the air mm. tag and they they pulled up. Yeah, oh, my, my luggage is sitting right mm-hmm. here at Heathrow. Mm-hmm. They're already mm-hmm. back in New York. And they were so frustrated. Yeah. I don't blame them. Exactly. Yeah. Now you talk about air, t- air tags. Do you remember those labels? You have to write your name and everything on. And yeah. I don't use those. Do you use do you use those, Jamie? I don't use them. I do. I do have that. Um, mostly just yeah. so I can recognize my black piece of luggage when it co- comes out with four hundred other black pieces of luggage. Okay. Uh, I can recognize at least my tag. Uh, yeah. I get a leopard skin or something that no one else has, a red suitcase. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I have not yet gotten a red suitcase aside from the bag my husband gave me. But as we know, that wasn't checked. So uh, oh, I don't that's have right. to worry that's about court, recognizing it. That's that coach bag. Yeah, yeah. which I still yeah. have. Yeah. yeah. Well. I, I have an article to post. I'll post it on perhaps Wednesday. This guy, this guy invented a suitcase, a small suitcase, where you can take the wheels off. And it would fit up above. That's genius. Yeah. That's cool. I like yeah. that. Where do you put the wheels when you take it off? Do you have to put the wheels in the bag? Yeah, you can put the wheels in the bag as long as it fits. You know, the whole purpose is so it will fit. Yeah, I like that idea. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not bad. 
Yeah. I, I has this this just occurred to me when I most of the time when you put your bag in the overhead bin, they always tell you put your wheels in first, which which I always do. It's just a habit. But when I was on JetBlue, they actually have a diagram where they not only want you to put your wheels in first, but they want you to turn your bag on its side. They're looking for space, man. That's what it is. Yeah. But I had never <laughs> seen the side part of it. Yeah. <laughs> they, it fit perfectly once I started putting bags. Of, you know, most people can't lift their bags, so they always grab me. They hey, can you help me put my bag up? Yeah, sure. And, you know, so I stick <laughs> your bags up for them. And then, no, you can't turn it sideways. But that's what the diagram says. <laughs> Have you ever gotten a yeah. flight, Jamie? Have you got, have have you ever been in a flight, Jamie? The plane gets to the destination, and folks in the back are standing. Then they just can't go anywhere. You have to wait for the guys up front. <laughs> they get I think people seat. have forgotten airplane etiquette over the pandemic. They have forgotten that we file out like a zipper. I know yeah. people do. They they and then there are the people that try to get out like a few rows behind you and kind of push past you. It Ooh, drives me so crazy when I see I people know. do that. But that's that's where my size comes to the advantage because no one's pushing past <laughs> <me>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I usually stand up because my legs have been folded, you know, like an accordion for so long. I just stand up. I don't mind standing waiting for everybody in front of me to get off, but I just stand. As soon as as soon as before the pilot hits the final break, you can hear my seatbelt coming off just so I can stand. And normally I got mm. a really bad cramp on the flight when I was in New York and I'm sitting there trying to figure out how to get this cramp out of my leg while we're landing. So I can't stand up. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, anyway, enough of that. So Jamie, in closing, where's your next trip? You got anything planned? You know, Oh, so what are we now in? Uh, we are going to, as a family over the holidays to Nicaragua. That's where we're going Ooh. over just after All Christmas. Right, that's good. My son likes to surf. Um, we usually like something over the holidays that's sort of beachy. Uh, so that's that's our next trip. How about you both? Uh, I'm my, my my rest of my year is going to be uh, taken up with moving back to Los Angeles. So I'm not that's going great. anywhere that I know of. Uh, but yeah, that's something to change on a moment's notice. <laughs> well, LA sounds fun. I'm thinking about going to Stacia. Love to go to Stacia. That with the island San Stacia? Yeah, mm-hmm. St. Stacia, yeah. I'm gonna look that up in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the island is the island is 8.1 square miles. I have a friend now who's who's working there. I think he signed a contract to work there for one year. He called me when he was leaving home. He was driving. He called me when he was leaving home to go to the office and he said, David, I want you to stay with me for, for the entire trip. It was two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the entire that trip sounds like my kind minutes. of island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and it's actually kind of cool because they have a, a dormant volcano in the middle of the island that has its own rainforest and you can hike it. That's exciting. Yeah, you can you can hike it. Uh, so that that's kind of cool. And and I, Dave's right. Most of the locals get around station five minutes in a car, and they don't they don't lock their doors or anything like that. They just you know close the door and keep going when nobody bothers you. That's right, right. Well, let me know how it goes. I would love to hear about it, David. I will certainly will. Very, very yeah, David. Yeah, David. Well, Jamie, uh, thanks for doing this. Thanks for being our first. See you again. It was great and to see you both. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks for listening to my corny jokes. (laughs) Anytime.
Well, we have been speaking to Jamie Edwards. Her website is IamLostAndFound.com. Um, she has written fantastic articles, got some great pictures, and um, her writing is stellar. And Jamie, you are even a better person than what's on your website. And uh, we want to thank you uh, on a personal note from Dave and I. You've been uh, a, a, not only a great guest, but you've actually turned into a damn good friend. And we'd just like to stay in touch with you. And uh, hopefully you'll come back and join us after that uh, trip to Antarctica, which I'm jealous of. But so you'll have to bring me lots of pictures. Don't forget your lanyard. I will do. Will do. All right. And that's it for this edition of TripCast 360. On behalf of Dave Cumberbatch and Michael Gordon-Bennett, thanks so long, and we'll see you next time on another edition of TripCast 360.